Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Forward 40. Excited. No, I always say that I'm excited, but indeed I am to have the guest in the guest chair today, Jerry LaFrance. Uh, she is a doctoral student in the Department of Environmental Science, and she is also one of the SOAR fellows from the Aspen Institute, which you know, they just launched a all-women's fellowship that's dedicated to improving the lives of women and girls globally. So, Jerry, welcome to the platform. Hi, yes. Shoda, itchik dalam. Belajar eji and machula shuk bishpala dupat pilagok akhbijoba. Bazimalakhya bi urishik delakom bi chukal chawagarak. Hello. Thank you for coming and thank you for having me. Um, my name is Joy LaFrance. I come from the Absalugan Nation from the Crow Reservation located in southeastern Montana. My Absalugan name is Fortunate with Horses. I'm 24 years old and I come from the Greasy Mouth Clan and I am a child of the Taiza Bundle Clan. I, um, I came across you through the fellowship announcement. And I was like, well, environmental science, definitely a domain that I am not in, <laughs> you know, a space where uh, we actually have not had any guests on the platform thus far. And um, it's not even just like your work that you're studying, but also the community work that has been very much dedicated to your community. So you were raised by Little Bighorn River and the original land of your people. Can you paint the picture for Little Bighorn River for us and how your upbringing led to your studies? Yes. Um, so let's uh, let's take us back to uh, my homeland. So I um, am of Saluga and uh, my people are very fortunate to still inhabit our original traditional territory. Our lands are located in um, central Montana and Wyoming. However, our reservation now is um, minimized to about two and a half million acres in size mm. in southeastern Montana. And so we are near the Bighorn Mountains. And the Bighorn Mountains are the mountains that brought us to where we are. It was Cloud Peak within the Bighorn Mountains that um, grew the tobacco seed, Ichichia, the the star, there was a star there that brought us there. And so my people um, were drawn to the Bighorn Mountains by a higher power. And so when we look at the Bighorn Mountains, they're not a massive um, mountain range, but they are pretty large. Mm -hmm. um, and so imagine the Bighorn Mountains um, acting as a heart. And you have mm -hmm. all of these little rivers being the veins coming out of all of these little valleys. So the Little Bighorn River is this uh, little vein coming out of the middle of the Bighorn River. And it's probably one of the larger rivers that comes out of the Bighorn Mountains. Mm -hmm. So it actually is only about 11 miles within the Bighorn Mountains. And then 
it enters right onto our reservation and it flows directly right in middle of our reservation, right through the land. Most of our towns rely on this river. Um, I've lived on this river my whole life. My mm-hmm. family uses this river and now this river is um, directing my PhD research. Mm-hmm. And I, I just hold this river really, um, you know, I highly revere it. It just has brought, you know, so much to me and my people for many generations. And it's um, amazing and pretty cool to see how I can use modern day technology to uh, take a deeper look at this river um, that has provided for my people for so long. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Thank you for the visual. I'm a visual learner. I appreciate that. Um, And also um, love that you connected it to the heart. Uh, Um, just like, <laughs> no, seriously, I always call the Bighorn Mountains my outside heart. Wow. And anytime I go home, um, I was raised, I grew up at the foothills of the Bighorn Mountains. And so I go home and I just, I literally just go and drive and sit there and look at the mountains. Um, literally that's what grounds me and, um, just keeps me going. So it's, uh, it's my outside heart. <laughs> wow. I love that. Love that. And, uh, so it, it just feels like a lot of us just wish that we could even have exposure and access to kind of that reprieve and just like that connection to the land and not the noise of what's going on in the world right now. So, um, thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing that um, and giving us that 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 picture. Um, when we spoke, there were a number of laws that you referenced uh, that were tied to environmental law and policy and the work that you're doing. Like you referenced the Dawes Allotment Act and the Clean Water Act, uh, which you shared there are exposure pathways unique to my people. What guided your immersion in this space of law and policy and uh, are there any additional ones that we should be aware of? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, I think people should just be aware of tribal sovereignty in general. You know, we have this whitewashed history that we've been taught and almost always um, the POC narrative is left out, um, mm-hmm. more specifically uh, the indigenous narrative. And it's crazy to think that in our history classes, we learn about these different pieces of legislation, policies that have happened ever since, you know, this country was supposedly born or made. And so we learn about this in school, but we totally we totally have a blind eye to the indigenous side of that Mm -hmm. Um, for every piece of those laws, legislation, treaty, everything that has shaped the history of this country. Um, there was indigenous influence or impact behind the scenes that's not talked about. So I think people need to be aware of that history um, that's not really talked about. Um, And then you'll start to become more aware about all of these different policies that were set in place to um, literally destroy my people. Um, And so fast forward today, not not only knowing that history um, and being aware of our sovereignty, but there's really uh, important pieces of legislation like of course, the Dawes Allotment Act that was in the late 1800s, but still impacts our um, people today, especially on people who live on reservations. Mm. Then we have the Clean Water Act, which allows uh, tribes to um, set their own water quality standards. We have the Violence Against Women Act of um, 2013, and it was reauthorized. And so that's very important because tribes aren't um, 
we do not have jurisdiction to try non-natives on our own tribal lands. Mm. So um, crime had occurred um, or, no, for example, with VAWA, the Violence Against Women Act, if a woman was abused on the reservation by a non-native, the tribe wouldn't be able to try them. What? So that's you on across Indian country, all reservations. Those are results of other pieces of legislation, um, the Oliphant case. And so now, today, we're still trying to get um, full jurisdiction to be able to try people who come onto our lands and, um, you know, take our women, um, you know, we have missing and murdered indigenous women, you know, abuse our women, do all of these things, and we're not able to try them. And so there's just, I mean, so many pieces of wow. information and legislation policies that have been set in place, you know, this system was set up a certain way, and it's working. And so now we're just trying to do our best to um, learn how to navigate this or combat and reverse some of these things that have been set in place. Absolutely. My goodness. Thank you just for that brief, you know, education. Um, yeah. That is crazy. And at the same time, not shocked just by the history of the country that the majority of us learn in school um, that excludes the stories, the truth of indigenous people, of enslaved Africans, like we can go on and on. Um, just wow, like how it includes but excludes that there's just uh, the kind of like the, as they say, the devil is in the details, right? Um, yeah. That is just ridiculous. Um, and I, and it's like, it, it's sickening to know that there are individuals that know that they can get away with, you know, uh, these these acts of violence, but then also um, just violating the people and the culture and, and the land, um, just taking taking advantage. Um, ooh, oh my goodness! Um. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, and I think everything is interconnected with one another. You know, these policies are set in place, but you also have the destruction of the land extraction, natural resource extraction. Um, th these all go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, violence against the land is violence against women. And so it's just, it's a crazy system that's set up and it's um, really taking a toll on our people, but there's still that resiliency um, and strength that our people have carried for generations. And it always comes out when we need it. And I'm very grateful for that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So in addition to the work with the environment, you're just an all-around change agent, right? Um, or better known as what you said. <laughs> I just can't work on one thing. <laughs> so you've run an intergenerational project connecting girls and women to traditional dressmaking. You've hosted a wellness institute with Beth Bethany Yellowtail, who's a fashion designer, um, also uh, connected to the Crow Nation uh, and also um, uh, the Cheyenne tribe as well, um, amongst other initiatives, right? Where does this sense of duty and social responsibility come from and what impact have you seen as a result of your work in the community? Yes. Um, well, I think this is an inherent teaching um, as Absalugat people, you know, I come from a very um, caring and giving people 
um, we have uh, chiefs and women chiefs who, you know, even though they were these ultimate leaders and people looked up to them and they uh, led our people onto new horizons and did all of these great things, they were the people who um, didn't look like they had the most hmm. in sense material things and such. Um, because they were always doing what they can to give back to their people. Um, when someone needed, um, you know, clothes or a horse or something, a chief would give what they had to that person to make sure their people were taken care of. Mm. And so we come from, you know, these people who have always given back. And I, I carry that teaching with me. Um, I come from matriarchs who also do that. You know, we have ceremonies where we literally do giveaways. We call them giveaways. We give back and we give back to our clan uncles, our clan aunties. And so we're a very hospitable um, culture and it's instilled within me. And so everything that I do, I'm always looking for ways to give back, whether that be to the land or to my people or to my family, you know, whatever way I can to make sure I am um, bringing back the, uh, the good vibes, that happiness, confidence, whatever that may be. I just want to make sure that it's, you know, positive that's coming back to um, my people because they need it. Um, we need it. And the only people who are going to be able to heal and move forward from these traumas and things that have happened in our lives that are inevitable. Um, we need these positive people um, to come back or to, um, you know, be positive who are in our community. Yes, um, yes, and yes. So there's just, um, it's important that we, we maintain that in the crazy world that we live in that just really wants to um, destroy. Mm. And so we have, these teachings that I want to live by. And I just, you know, I, my ultimate goal in life is to be a good ancestor. I just want to want people to know that I was good to them and that I was, um, I just wanted the best for my people. And when whatever way that may be or may look, um, I'm going to try to do my best to make sure that I'm helping, you know, at least a couple people in whatever way um, I would be so grateful um, to know that I helped them mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. And I love how you, you said that these are my people and no one else is going to do it for us. That's very, very powerful. Um, some people may, you know, take that as exclusionary, yet mm -hmm. I don't see it as such, <laughs> you know, not at all. Um, what, in your opinion, is needed for the indigenous community, and I guess also like younger, um, younger leaders within the community to survive and thrive in a moment like this, but then even beyond this this current moment. Yeah, yeah. So I think oftentimes, you know, I even fell victim to this. Um, I. I think we forget that we're nations <laughs> um, as indigenous people here. We're sovereign nations. Um, we're distinct people. And so I think that we forget that we are um, a whole separate group of people than, um, you know, other people. And so it's just, I think we forget that we're a very functioning nation and we have our language, we have our own ways. And so we really need to um, take pride in that again. Um, I've also 
um, have become victim of that. I went to school off the reservation for a couple years and it just, it, it made me not want to be proud of who I am and where I come from because mm. of that setting was that I went off the reservation. Um, there's the stereotypes, you know, the history that we're taught. It's just, it wasn't, it's not great at all. I mean, we've all experienced things, right? Yeah. <laughs> In, um, history class and such. And so um, I wasn't, I didn't feel that sense of pride. Um, but when I went back home, back to the, uh, the res, finished out school and then went to college, I started to learn more about these um, policies and these laws set in place that have literally shaped the way um, Native people you know, live on reservations. And so I think that we really need to um, remember that we are functioning nations um, yeah. where I think groups of people with our own languages and our own cultures that we need to um, learn and continue to teach our children. Um, but we also need to learn the those really important histories and laws and policies because that will help us with the sovereign aspect of things because we do need to um, strengthen our sovereignty, the political aspect of things, but there's also that social and cultural um, and, uh, you know, familial side of things that we really need to nurture as well. Yes, um, yes. And I always talk about, you know, it's the things that have happened in our lives. Um, you know, some of that is out of our control and some people have faced other things far worse than other people. And, you know, that's that's the way it is. And I understand that. And I always am trying to be understanding um, of people. I don't know their stories, but I know that they do have a story. And so I think that we um, all have a responsibility to heal. Mm. And we need to heal because our children deserve it. They don't deserve the, the broken down, the tired and um, groggy, slow versions of us um, because of things that have happened to us. And mm. I think that our children, they really deserve so much better even than what we've been given I just, I do everything, you know, for the Absalagad children, for my nieces, for my nephew. Um, we, our children deserve nothing but the best. And the only way that we can give them the best is to be the best versions of ourselves. So we need to heal, take those necessary steps towards healing, however that may look for you. Um, small steps are still progress, um, no matter how big. Wow. Wow. Um, and very much like the healing, um, especially in a moment where it seems it, it, it is toxic, right? Like it's not even just um, like whether people are experiencing quarantines or, you know, like states and spaces that are on pause and, you know, just policies and, and whatnot. Um, there's a lot that's going on that it just has further exacerbated the the destruction that has happened in communities, and um, I think it's very powerful that you that you point out the healing that's that's very mm -hmm. much um, necessary just for us to even cope to um, to be to exist, uh, and also for the next generation to thrive. Um, you 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 very much sound like an elder. <laughs> 
that a lot. No. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, it goes back to even like, you know, healing ourselves. We can't do things for other people. We can't fill the cup of other people if ours is not full. Right. And so it just, and it goes back to the, um, you know, these are me, these are my people. No one's going to do it for us. No one's going to do it for me. I'm the one. I have the responsibility. I have to do it for myself. And, you know, we, uh, we take a look back and every time we've tried to, um, like seek help from like the federal government or whatever, well, there's a system set in place and uh-huh. it's our responsibility. The system wasn't set up for us essentially. Um, right. and we need to recognize that, um, especially as sovereign people and to truly be sovereign, um, to fully be autonomous, we need to be doing everything on our own, um, sustainably um, and culturally uh, relevant and making sure that um, our kids are, and our elders are being taken care of as well. Yeah. So it's just, there, no one's going to do it for us. And we have to make sure we find our role um, because there's a role and responsibility for everyone. And no role is too small. Everyone has a role. And I hope people can find their place and are able to um, move forward in a very good way with that. Mm, mm, yes. Such wisdom, such wisdom. Um, I know that you like had referenced like the, like when you said I went off the reservation, like I had an instant, like, oh my goodness, people have used that terminology and I've heard it and how derogatory, right? Like, oh, this person has gone off the off off the res, right? Um, yeah. It's just like, well, so I just wanted to point that out. I, if anyone else didn't catch it, like, <laughs> be overly mindful just about things that you say. Um, but very much connected to this this other point that I um, wanted you to expand upon. Uh, you had shared with me that you had gone to this event. I believe it was like a conference, and um, this guy had mentioned to you that he didn't know that Native people still existed. And it was just like major eye roll for me, <laughs> like major, major eye roll. Um, how have you managed to like combat that type of ignorance and or like in holding on to your culture in spaces where that is not the norm and it is completely uh, different, like combating cultural misappropriation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the first thing that I always do um, when I go into spaces like that, especially especially academic spaces or professional meetings or anything like that, um, I always show up in my be yellow tail, be yellow tails, some fashion wear designed by Bethany Yellowtail, who's an Absaluga and Northern Cheyenne fashion designer. And honestly, I can tell you that I always turn heads with mm. <laughs> with the clothing I wear from Bethany. And so I think that gets people, uh, it, it gets their attention right away. And so I've had people come up to me and comment on my clothing or whatever, or even um, like I have really long hair and people aren't used to seeing long hair. So I'll braid my hair and I'll have a long braid. Or I'll be wearing earrings, beadwork, you know, whatever it is to um, let people know that I'm Crow, I'm Absaligat, <laughs> um, I'll do it. And so it 
it does it definitely turns heads and so the very few people who are brave enough to come up to me and say something to me or ask a question um are almost always questions of of ignorance i'm not sure if they just decide not to teach themselves or they just simply did not know mm-hmm. um, and so i i have had people tell me that they've never met a native before i'm the first um person that they've met that came from a reservation or out asking us if we still live in teepees like I those types of questions and it's insane that I still get them um even back in 2019 I got a question and it was interesting because I was at a conference with young professionals and these were supposed to be leaders from young leaders from all over the country um from all different types of communities coming together to talk about how we lead in our communities. And so it just, I was really distraught and confused because he was supposed to be a leader and he literally told me native, he didn't think native people didn't exist. Um, And at first when I get things like that, I guess I'm kind of used to them now and I pick and choose my battles. And I have to because it's draining. It's draining when I have to educate people all the time um, when they can simply go and educate themselves. And I've had to tell people to do that before. Um, But I will if it's something, um, a specific statement or comment or question, I will educate them because I do have the means necessary and the knowledge to educate them. And I want them to know. I want them to know who I am, where I come from, um, and that we're still here thriving, existing, and doing normal things. <laughs> and so I always um, make it a point to educate them as much as I can to the point where it's not exhausting me out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that is, the, <laughs> the, the exhaustion is real. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And so, um, but I, you know, I'm that person there in that moment everything happens for a reason. There's a reason why they came up to me. These things happen for reasons. And so I just use that as an opportunity to educate, um, hoping and praying that they go and educate others um, because that's exactly what we need. (laughs) Yes. And then also like this point of, um, I get kind of like that internal conflict of, do I really want to educate this person? Shouldn't they just go and educate themselves? And then sometimes, depending on where people are getting their quote-unquote education from, they then get a little bit of knowledge or insight, and then they feel like they're all-knowing, right? And then that's where the instances of, you know, just like the misappropriation happens, right? Um, And the stereotypical, um, you know, kind of like performance-based uh, actions. Or it, it just, it's it's kind of like this, um, this fine line between do you want to be the person to educate, but then if they go off and onto their own devices and educate themselves, what are they going to do with that information that they have? Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's definitely pick your battles and also... Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it it's just tough. <laughs> no, it seriously is. I think I always do my best to try to give people specific resources to use. Um, like go here to get mm. this regarding their question or statement. Um, 
yeah no totally that is very real <laughs> well exactly. I'm, I'm happy that you don't just tell them go google it because <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh my goodness because it would just be a flood of misinformation if they just type in something in google <laughs> oh my gosh uh so jory like what is next for you post PhD? Like, what do you hope the next generation of girls will know as a result of your work? I, so like we mentioned before, a lot of my work is interconnected and I just don't keep myself uh, doing one thing. Um, I would love to uh, move back home hmm. um, to my reservation back to Crow country. Um, I've been away for a really long time now, so I think I'm ready to go back. Um, there's been uh, some conversations about possibly running for tribal leadership um, later down the line. So I've been considering that. I think um, I'm trying to be better at uh, really advocating for running for tribal leadership because mm -hmm. I can't uh, promote running um, or I can't promote tribal sovereignty and full autonomy without me, you know, trying to promote running for tribal leadership. So mm -hmm. I got to go with myself. <laughs> um, and so I've had conversations on possibly running for tribal leadership, whether that be in the executive branch or as a um, legislature for my district. Um, so that might be an option. Um, however, I... I would also like to create my own um, organization um, through the Aspen uh, Institute, the SOAR fellowship that I have. I'm currently trying to work on creating either my own program or organization to continue doing the hard work that I do, especially regarding women and girls in my community, um, but also including uh, the work that I do in with my PhD with water in the land. Um, but I'm I just, I just want to go back home, uh, be with the land again, live mm -hmm. my life. <laughs> um, I've been in school ever since I was five years old. Um, I'm going to be 25 soon. So, um, and I think as far as professorships, um, I am unsure about that. I think I'm just ready to be home. Yeah. Um, that looks like in tribal leadership or running my own organization or teaching at my tribal college or teaching at the colleges that are near my reservation within driving distance, I would definitely consider. Um, but I will be doing um, great work. work. Exactly. <laughs> Just <laughs> there. Um, and it'll be a lot easier because I've, somehow managed to do all the work that I've done in my community while in school, while away in different states. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be amazing. I'm excited for what I would will be able to do when I'm actually there home on the ground um, doing everything. I mean, I've been able to run these projects and be there with them, but it's going to be a whole lot different being there home every step of the yes. way when I want to do these projects or um, do whatever that is in my community um, to help us move forward in whatever way. Well, I am so, so excited for you. And I know that, I mean, just your journey thus far, it is definitely going to land and continue to evolve into 
even more greatness um, and ascension just in your work. Um, and I, I, I get it. Uh, you've, you've been in environments that are not necessarily reflective or representative. And here you are representing your people. Um, and there's just something like just being with your people. So I, I definitely look forward to you finishing (laughs) your PhD (laughs) (laughs) so that you can just further, uh, and continue the work. Oh, that, that just sounds so amazing. I have about two years left, so. Wait, the... two? Oh, my goodness. I thought it was one. Oh, oh two and a half years. Oh Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I want to your program, so. But I'm almost there. The yes, you're I almost there. You're almost there. I'm almost there. So thank you for the encouragement and the Absolutely. Good Absolutely. And, um. <laughs> The fact that, you know, you're on this doctoral journey and you're also considering options beyond the traditional route of, you know, post PhD, you know, um, that that is really, really great. There's a lot there's a lot of people that. Because of just how things have traditionally been when you enter a doctoral program, it has been, you know, like we'll go into professorship, but. Because you are so involved in the community, I definitely just see you continuing to expand that work. And yeah, really excited for you. Yes, I'm very excited too. I will definitely be keeping in touch. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I am praying and hoping for the best. Yes, yes. So it's um it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for inviting us just into the world um of your people in the community and just sharing more with us on the environmental justice side but then also its impact on on women and girls. Really really appreciate it. Um you know that we close with a tea affirmation. <laughs> Love tea. (laughs) So what will your tea affirmation be for our listeners? I would have to say to be kind to yourself. Um, I think that in this this current world is built on destruction, destruction of the land, destruction of Black, Indigenous people of color, and destruction of ourselves even. And so... We have this world that's ready to tear us down. Um, so I don't want us to be the ones um, who do that work for them. Mm-hmm. So let us be the ones who brings the good, the positivity back into our lives and into the people who are a part of our lives. And remember to just forgive yourself and to always, always be kind and to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even I needed that. Wonderful. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much for that reminder. <laughs> that definitely so how do people stay in touch and connected with you and with your your work i am on instagram instagram is probably the best way to keep in touch with me i am at at j-o-r-e-e underscore v-i-o-l-e-t-t-a so at jory underscore violita on instagram beautiful beautiful so thank you thank you so much it was a pleasure look forward to you like kicking butt and just being done with this phd (laughs) and getting back to the great work (laughs) 
Yes, thank you, Hogashi. I appreciate this conversation very much, and thank you so much for reaching out. And it has been an absolute honor、um, to be a part of this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Until we connect again, sip, sis, sila, share, and continue to serve.